0: I've got a lot to get through this morning, so I'm just gonna crack right into it. Does it sound all right with you? Okay, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking to his disciple. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. They've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. There's nothing like a valley season. There's nothing like walking through a valley to test your faith. Um, I'm gonna be speaking about valleys a little bit this morning. And when I'm speaking about valleys, I'm speaking about a really tough time, a really tough circumstance to walk through. I'm borrowing it from Psalm 23, where King David penned those words, Though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are close beside me. Now, there's nothing like a valley to test our faith. Did you know that it's in faith that we receive all that God has for us? It's in faith that we receive all the good things that He has for us. It's in faith that we receive His love, His joy and His peace. Now I love the peace of Christ, I love it. I love the peace of Christ. When things are rather smooth sailing or just a little bit rocky, the peace of Christ, it doesn't take me, you know, it's not like I have to muster up a lot of faith to receive that peace. But I tell you, in a storm or in a really tough valley, that, that piece of Christ that I have faith for, it's not just a blessing, it becomes a miracle. It's in our valleys that our faith is tested and we get to see its substance and its worth. We've been in a valley season as a family and it continues to be longer and harder than we like. And I've found that in this kind of volatile and inhospitable place that I've been dragged into and do not want to be, in that place, I have gained so much from God that I would not have had access to if everything had have been smooth sailing. I've gained so much, and so my desire today is to share what I've gained with you in order to strengthen you in the valleys that you might be in right now or will face sometime soon. So let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You, God, that hope is here. Thank You that hope is here all the time and that knowledge we need to know deep in our spirit, but we need to know it more than ever when we walk through tough times. Need to know it in our mind, our body and in our, in our spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that You would speak through me and guide me. Holy Spirit, help us to interpret and understand Your your Word, the Scripture. Have Your way here today, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I've found that a valley is a really fertile place. I kind of always imagined it as like barren, like desert-like, but I've found that walking through our valleys, our tough times, it's actually a very fertile place. I don't know if there are any other gardeners in the room, but man, weeds are springing up quick at the moment. Weeds are springing up quick. It's like I pull them out and the next day I see them start to appear again. And, and, and that's exactly what it's like in, the, in a valley. Weeds can grow up quick there. Fear can grow quick there. Doubt can grow quick there. Bitterness, unforgiveness, disappointment, it can grow quick there. But there's another kind of fruit that we can grow in this valley. And it doesn't grow with ease like the destructive fruit that I just mentioned. It takes intentionality and it takes perseverance to grow this fruit. In our valleys, that we often feel like we don't have the energy that it takes to grow this fruit, but we must find it. We must find it. As um, you know, we've been through. I'm no stranger to valleys, to some tough times. It's we've been through them before, um, and I almost had like a bit of a cockiness because I'm like, I seem to just do better than other people in them. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> like, oh, this one didn't break me either, I'm just, I'm still positive, I'm still great, I'm kind of awesome, I must be better than other people, <laughs> um, <laughs> just being honest, <laughs> and, um, and then at the beginning of this year, I found myself in a circumstance that it completely broke me to pieces, and I was like, ah, oh, okay, touche, <laughs> we've found it now. In that place, when I I fell to pieces, um, and I was in pieces for many months, I'm pretty good at hiding it, but I was in pieces for many months, and one of those days, I just didn't know what to do with myself, and so I just hopped in the car, and I was just driving. I had no destination in mind. I was just, I just needed to just do something. And as I was driving, and probably crying and yelling, um, I heard a voice say, plant some bulbs, and I was like, was that you, Lord, <laughs> or is that me? Because I'd totally say something like that to myself. But it wasn't like, hey, I should plant some bulbs. It was like, with authority, plant some bulbs. And I was like, okay. So I went, to, I went and pulled into Palmer's, and so thankful for my mask and my sunglasses in order to help me keep invisible. And I walked in I brought 20 bulbs of freesias and daffodils. And then I drove home and as I got home, I opened up my phone and there was a message from a friend and it was um, Psalm 126, those who sow with tears shall reap with shouts of joy. And so I went to my garden and I acknowledged that the, that the valley is a really fertile place. <laughs> and because I didn't want these weeds to be the dominant Guarded to be the dominant flavour in my heart, I I weeded this garden. And as I weeded my garden, I acknowledged all the things in my heart that needed to be weeded out. And then I dug these 20 holes. And with each hole, I, I planted a bulb and I declared what I wanted to sow in this season. Gentleness, forgiveness, peace. I wanted to sow into my kids, into my marriage, into my faith. I wanted to sow into my knowledge of God through deeper study in the Scripture. I wanted to sow love, joy. I wanted to sow fun. So I I looked at cook slams after the Bible every morning. (laughs) Kindness. I wanted to sow into my ministry, into my spiritual gifts, and, and I was kind of glad I chose 20, because then I had to start really digging deep. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm gonna sow into my cooking skills. Um, and as I was doing this planting, I, I, I noticed that it was autumn, that everything that was once green and alive was now dropping to the ground and dying, and it seemed fitting. And I knew that I wouldn't see these blooms until spring. I still had a winter to walk through. That's kind of what it's like growing godly fruit in our valleys. It requires an intentionality, a faith, a perseverance that one day we will, we will see the fruit of our labours. That one day we will reap what we sow if we just keep on weeding and keep on sowing with all the strength we have. I got to 19 bulbs and I was like, I know I am missing something, Lord. I know it's something that I need for this season. What is it? And I realised it was hope. It was hope. I needed to sow hope. I had lost hope. See, I had put my hope in some circumstances and when they didn't happen, My hope was broken, and I with it. In in the book Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, who was a prisoner in a concentration camp, he said that he, when he saw a man lose hope, he could predict rather accurately that within a fortnight, um, he would have lost his life. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I wonder how many of us, are living with a kind of spiritual sickness or death because we put our hope in a breakthrough rather than our hope in the one that we're praying to for that breakthrough. I think we can confuse faith with hope. We can confuse faith with hope because we, we are supposed to you know, pray and have faith for things to change in our life we're supposed to have faith for healing and, and have faith that circumstances will change and for all of these things, but we're not supposed to hope in them. Our hope was never designed to be in anywhere circumstantial. And so if you find yourself today or you do find yourself looking at your life or a part of your life and you just think, this is not what I hope for, then you, like me, made the mistake of placing your hope in a place that was never designed to be. In Scripture, hope is always reserved for the eternal things, always. It's reserved for the unshakable, for the unchangeable. Hope is designed by God to be put in a place that cannot and will not disappoint us or let us down. It's designed to be in a place that when we hope in that, it is so certain that our hearts will never grow sick, a hope that will never come up short and a hope that would wither every season. Scripture often links hope with endurance. And if we are to come through our valleys alive and well as God designed us to be, then we have got to lean hard on an eternal hope. This message today is called Hope Through the Valley. Now, throughout church history, the Apostle Peter, he was known as the Apostle of Hope. And so we're going to turn to his words in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. And I'm going to read this, but we're going to continue to go back to it. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open to the Scripture. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Christ Jesus is revealed. Beautiful. So this word hope, He's not using it in the way that we hear hope referred to in our day to day. See, we hear hope referred to like this. I hope I get this house. I hope I meet someone. I hope she gets this job. I hope the Netherlands win the Football World Cup. Anyone else? My friend always says to me, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. (laughs) They won this morning, by the way. When we use, um, so when we use the word hope, in our culture, we're using it for uncertainties that we wish to happen. That's often how it's used, as uncertainties that we wish to happen. But whenever Peter in the scripture is talking about it, this biblical hope, he's always speaking of certainties. The Scripture is always speaking of certainties. Biblical hope is used in reference to a confidence we have in the fulfilment of God's promises that He cannot and will not break them. The Scripture says that it is impossible for God to lie and to break His Word. I love that it says that we are born into a living hope. It shows that this hope is supposed to be alive and active within us, visible within us. I mean, you show me somebody confident in God that God's promises for them will be fulfilled in them, in, them, in their family, and in their church. And you will show me someone who is fully alive, that, that hope is evident in them. And that is what we're supposed to have. And so it might sound simple. Don't put your hope in things circumstantial, put your hope in things that are certain. It's not, it's not simple. It's not simple because it's easier said than done when putting our hope in a certain outcome would bring so much joy and relief to us. When it it means so much to us, when so much is on the line, that, that seeing that would mean that I would finally be able to be free of this valley, it's easier said than done to not put our hope in the things that we're having faith for. And so we've gotta keep this in check. We've gotta keep this in check. In this season, more than ever, we need to know God's promises so that we can securely place our hope in them. So what do we hope for? You might be wondering. What do I hope for? We hope for the promise of salvation and resurrection. We hope for the promise of salvation and resurrection. 1 Peter 1 verse three, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is the best news for us that Jesus died and rose again. It is the best news for us. He defeated death. He defeated death because he was sinless. The penalty for, for death is sin. And so because he was sinless, he conquered death. Death had no hold over him. Because he was sinless, he could then take our sin upon himself as a sacrifice. So now when we die, we also will not stay dead, but will be risen like the like our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've got His righteousness, that is certain, that is sure, that is amazing. We can put our hope there. And because the eternal always has a habit of breaking through into our today, it doesn't stop there. See, we actually get part of our resurrection here. When we put our our trust in Jesus, we receive His Spirit and we're born again. We have this regeneration that happens inside of us so that we can be so confident that He will finish the work that He began in us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22 says, and as He identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts, get this, as the first instalment that guarantees everything that He has promised us. So the Holy Spirit in us that, we, uh, uh, that is in us every day is like a down payment. It's like a deposit from heaven saying that the rest is coming. Isn't it amazing? So we can be certain and we can place our hope in the resurrection. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a promise that we have received already to encourage us to hold fast to the hope that the rest is sure to come. Amazing. The second promise that we can be certain in, that we can put our hope in, is the promise of our eternal destiny in heaven. In His great mercy, it says, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are being shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I've got a friend who I met with recently and um, she knows she's got a great inheritance coming from her parents and she's an only child and she lives with the assurance and the confidence that her financial future is secure. That's how we should live. God our Father has an inheritance for you and it is stored in a place that cannot perish. It's guarded there by Him and it is secure. And so the way we live, we should live with that assurance that our future, that our eternal destiny is secure. And I've found that especially in our valley seasons, we have to have spiritual practises because we can get so focused in on our current troubles that we need spiritual practises that we can zoom out and have a greater perspective that heaven is waiting for us and that the eternal things break through into our today, which is why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, let it break through. Let it break through. I love it. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, this is why we never give up. We never give up, guys. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. That's that Holy Spirit. For our present troubles are small, even though they don't feel small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Romans 8.18, Yet while we suffer now, it is nothing compared to the glory that He will reveal to us later. Guys, We hope in our eternal destiny in heaven and we know that that will break through into our today. One of my favourites is that we can hope in the promise of redemption. We can hope in the promise of redemption. God is redeeming all things. He's a redeeming God. He redeems time. He redeems relationships. He redeems callings. He redeems families. He redeems futures. Thank God, right? Because we can give Him a lot to redeem. In my life, I gave Him a lot to redeem. He did really well. He did really well. Psalm 130, verse seven. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. It overflows. His redemption work, His redemption work, you can live expectant that His redemption work will be the theme of your life. Over your life, His work in your life, the theme of it will be redemption. He will be redeeming what you give to Him. Redeeming what you give to Him. So in every valley, in every tough circumstance, when you think, God, you're gonna have to get really creative to redeem this. He's thinking, oh, I am. Don't you worry about that. He will, you can count on it. Sometimes when we give over our mess to God, sometimes the bigger the mess, the bigger the redemption story, if given to him. Romans eight twenty-eight, and we know that God causes everything, everything, to work together for the good of those who love him. One of my favourite moments in scripture that I reflect on every Advent is this beautiful moment when pregnant Elizabeth, who is carrying John the Baptist in her womb, opens the door and greets a pregnant Mary carrying Jesus Christ in her womb. And Elizabeth is then filled with the Spirit and she begins to prophesy. And over Mary, she says these words in Luke 1 verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And blessed are we who in our valleys refuse to doubt in the promises of God. Blessed are we when our hopes do not sit with our desires and the things we have faith for, but sit and reside in the certain place of God's promises alone. Then we can confidently pray prayers like, thank you God, my Father. Thank you that me and my family have received freedom from our sin. Thank you, Lord, that even here in this tough place, I can receive in faith the miracle of peace, of joy, of love. Thank you, Lord, that you redeem all things and that you will redeem this too. Thank you, Lord, that our future is secure in you. There will be trials and testing, it says that in 1 Peter it says, in all of this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honour, when Christ Jesus is revealed. I think our, our faith is never tested more when our prayers are not answered. Don't you think? And I'm not just talking about little prayers, like those prayers that there's a lot on the line. <laughs> when those aren't answered, or we don't get the answer we want, that's, a, that, that's a, a faith testing time. For about a year, I've been praying and fasting for three things. I didn't fast for the entire year, I'd be a skeleton, but the, the day, of, many days of it. And I was praying and fasting for three things. I was praying that one thing would happen. I prayed and fasted that these two things would just not happen. Don't let it happen. Uh, They did. They did happen. And my faith was definitely tested. And my hope was challenged. The places that I put my hope was challenged. I felt like Peter when Jesus said, hey, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail you. In this valley, I feel like I have been sifted like wheat, and though I've walked it far from perfect, my faith has not failed me. Our family's faith has not failed us. And I can, I can read Second Corinthians 4 8. we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be seen in our bodies. It's because of the hope of Christ that is absolutely certain without a doubt that I can stand before you knowing that my faith has not and will not fail me. Jesus said to Peter, When you have turned back, it's like he knew that Peter was not going to do this perfectly, though his faith didn't fail him. Um, even though he was known as the apostle of hope, he still denied Christ. And, you know, I've definitely had failings in my time of testing, but from the modeling of Peter, I've continued to turn to Jesus in repentance. I've turned back from the lure of the enemy to judge, to be bitter, and I've repented from those things. And he said to Peter, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers and sisters. And that was really my desire today in this message, that I might strengthen you, those of you, whose faith is being tested or will be tested. This isn't my first valley, it will not be my last. And I'm sure if you're walking through one now, it will not be your last. Our journeys have many twists and turns. But I believe that what would Jesus say to us? It says in the word that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And I believe that he would be praying the same prayer that he prayed over Peter. I pray that your faith would not fail you. I pray that your faith will not fail you. Guys, if your hope is in Christ alone and you don't, even, you don't trust the sweetest frame, you, you, you pray for everything. It's the Scripture says pray for everything. So we, we pray and we pray in faith, but we do not place our hope there. Our hope is reserved for the certain unshakable places that will never let us down, never let our hearts grow sick. I'd love if we can pray together. So would you stand with me? And then after I pray, um, we're gonna finish with a song of worship. And the song, this worship song is actually called Hope of the Ages. And let us sing this worship with this living hope, with this alive hope. And I'm giving you that as like your opportunity, your time, that if your hope has been in um, circumstantial kind of places, that you could shift it to its rightful place. So let's pray. Father, we come before You. We thank You, Lord, that even though we walk through the darkest valley, we do not need to be afraid because You are right there beside us. Lord, we lift our tough circumstances to You now, and we ask for Your redemption and for Your breakthrough. We thank You that You're faithful to do it, but we keep our hope firm in You and Your promises alone. Lord, in this time where weeds can spring up so quick, help us, Holy Spirit, to continually weed them out and to sow into our eternal hope. I thank You, Jesus, that whatever we're going through, this is not the end. Thank You that heaven is waiting for us and that You have the final say. You said that I told you all this so that you might have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, for I have overcome the world.